0: chapter 6, verse 63, Jesus said, the words that I speak unto you, they are spirit and they are life. A warm welcome to the refreshing word of Calvary Baptist Church. You're in for an uplifting time in God's word. Enjoy the message.
1: I welcome you to this half hour of the Calvary Baptist Church ministry. And let us pray. Gracious God, we thank you, we honor you. You are the great God. You give us your word to encourage us, to guide us, and to lead us. Thank you for this day. May the reading and the preaching of your word encourage us to live for you this and every day. In Jesus' name, amen. For the past several weeks, we've been studying the book of Second Timothy looking at what Paul said through the gift of foresight foretelling the future about the things that will happen at the end times. And I'm sure if you've been following us, you've been amazed at how he described the end times about the lawlessness, the godlessness, the powerlessness of the church, the compromises of the world, the multiplication of evil. And all that you can think about. How could somebody have known this, two thousand years ahead of time? The answer is simple: the God who made the world revealed it to him. That is why we say the world belongs to God, and some have said history is His story, because without Him, nothing was made that exists, and everything that exists, owns their existence, to the great God, the great I am. That is why, my brother, my sister, my listening friend, the greatest thing you can do for yourself is to accept Christ as your Lord and Savior and live for him. Know his will for your life and do it. If you don't know his will for your life, ask him not what do you want me to do, but I can tell you one thing. He wants you to accept Christ as your Lord and Savior and live your life so that you will be transformed into the image of Christ. According to Romans chapter 8, 29, God's will for you and I is that Jesus will become the firstborn of the family when you become part of that family of God. If you have never made that decision to receive Christ as Lord and Savior, I can tell you this. God has already prepared a parcel for you, a gift for you, the gift of Jesus Christ. And just like when somebody gives you a gift, all you have to do is to receive it and say thank you and use the gift. That is what it takes to be a Christian. It takes a simple prayer. When you realize that you have sinned or you are going against the laws of God and the laws are written on your heart, the Lord, I am not what you want me to be. But today, I set Christ as my Lord and Savior. Come into my life. Holy Spirit, transform me. Let me not go back to my old ways and help me to live for you. This and every day, Lord, I'll live for you by your grace. Amen. If you pray this prayer, I will say you are born again by the grace of God. But just like a a child who has been born new needs to grow by learning, by eating, by making mistakes and correcting them. You have to pass the same channel. How do you do that? Reading the Bible, praying, belonging to a church where others can lead you and encourage you, where you can also encourage others. That is what all this preaching and teaching is about. But let me add, When you have received Christ and you are making your journeys in this life. No matter what you do, no matter what anybody does. A time will come when they themselves will live this world. Because death is there for everybody. You will die and you will meet your maker. What account do you have to give to your maker? That is what today's passage is about. We have been talking about the Apostle Paul and he had lived a life and given a triumphant testimony about what he can do, what God can do through somebody like him who had lost his bearing, persecuted the church, and yet God, out of his grace and mercy, received him. And Paul was so zealous for God that he undertook the first missionary journey, the second missionary journey, and the third missionary journey. But now, He's lying in prison. He had been imprisoned because of his faith, that he was causing trouble in the empire. And he had written many letters. He's sitting in a dungeon in a Roman prison, facing capital charge of insurrection, that he is causing people not to obey the Roman government and worship the Roman gods. He was appearing before Nero, that mad emperor. And he was sure that he would be killed. If even he wasn't killed by Nero, he was sure that he would die anyway. and for him, it didn't matter to him whether he died or he lived, because Christ was the most important person in his life. As we are told, he was given some mock trial and executed. But before that happened, long before that happened, he had taken time in the prison to write to the churches. He was asking his son in the faith, Timothy, to go forth and preach the gospel with all his might and do what God has called him to do, telling him many, many things. And in this last one, he talks about his glorious exit. Paul's glorious exit. Or if I may want it longer and make it yours, I'll call it the Christian's glorious exit. Here, Paul talks about his own death. And the way he talks about it, the way he writes about it, he shows that he's not afraid of it at all. Because there are people who are so afraid of death. They don't want to talk about it. When somebody is telling them, Oh, I'm about to die, and I feel that I'm tired, I want to go, so, oh, don't talk about it, don't talk about it. Well, if that's what the person feels, the question you should ask him are you ready? To meet your maker. Because there are people who talk about death, that they are ready to die, and they may have a very different concept of why they want to die. I guess those drug barons in Mexico whose tombs we see sometimes, great, great, great tombs, great houses, air conditioned, think that when they die and they place them in those air conditioned houses, they'll be there forever, and one day, when something happens, they'll be resurrected. So they look forward to sleeping in those mansions as dead mummies. That's not what Paul was thinking about. He is thinking about death. Death, where even there's a grave or there's no grave, he goes straight to his maker, believing that just like Christ rose from the dead, he, Paul, would also be raised from the dead. Because he belongs to Christ, and Christ has taken the lead as the first fruit of those who die as Christians believing in Him. So, in Second Timothy, chapter four, verses six to eight, we read Paul's testimony, or Paul's witness, Paul's readiness for his death. And I read, "For I am already being poured out." What a word! Lying in prison, writing letters, thinking about his own life, his own life. Here he tells us three things that we'll look at. His testimony is one about his death. He talks about that candidly in verse six, and he gives a testimony of his life. But then he talks about his reward, the crown of righteousness. So let's take these things quickly. And keep your Bible open. His death. Paul confronted his death. What did he say about his death? He said, look, my dying is like my life being offered as a sacrifice to God. Being poured out as a sacrifice to God. Those of us who live in Africa or who are Ghanaians, we can equate it to what people do. Like they are pouring libation. They say they are praying to the gods. Paul is saying something like that. He's not pouring libation to any God. He says, I myself, I am pouring out my soul through death to the Lord Jesus Christ. That's the life and the, the blood, everything in my body is being sacrificed because I'm preaching the Christ. And if I'm being killed, I'm laying down my life as an offering to Jesus Christ, as a supreme sacrifice. What does he mean by this? He means the whole of my life after I became born again, I've given it to Christ. My body, soul and spirit has been given to him. And if finally Nero is going to kill me or they are going to slaughter me and I'm going to shed my blood. When they pour that blood it's as if it is a libation that they are pouring to the Lord. Hallelujah. That's what the man thought about his life. That's what the man thought about his death. William Backley said something that is very instructive about what Paul said. said, Paul, and I quote, Paul did not think of himself as going to be executed. He thought of himself as going to offer his life to God. His life was not being taken from him. He was laying it down. Ever since his conversion, Paul had offered to God his money, his scholarship, his strength, his time, the vigor of his body, the acuteness of his mind, the devotion of his passionate heart. Only life itself was left to offer. And gladly, Paul was going to lay down his life. End of quote. Hallelujah. He had given everything. What is left is the the life, is the remnant that is left. And if they cut his throat or burn him in the fire and do whatever, he saw it as being poured to God. Or, he uses another picture. If they choose to kill him, he describes his killing and the leaving of his body, the death, as a departure. What did he mean by a departure? So many pictures come to mind. But the one that I like, because of our part of the world, it's like somebody who has tied an animal, a goat or a sheep, and you are getting ready to slaughter this for a picnic or for something, and all of a sudden, that animal breaks loose from the rope. What happens? They run away with joy, never to come near you again, because they could sense that you were about to kill them. You see, the picture he used for his departure, breaking camp, it's as if he's been tied in this world. He's been kept here. He's here. The yoke is on him. And finally, he's being released from the yoke. And the burden of his labor and toil of his life is over. He's released and he's free to depart to the pastures and wander about and enjoy the world, enjoy heaven, and enjoy the good things of this world. So he's free to go. He's been released and set free to depart to eternity, to the rest that heaven and eternity would give him. Hallelujah. So he says it's a departure. It's like the ship leaving a port to go back into the big sea to its final destination. So for Paul, either it's a libation or a departure, it's a glorious one. I'm going, I'm going to where my Lord has prepared for me. I'm going there. And nothing and nothing will stop me. But then that's not the only thing, his departure be a glorious one. In verse 7, he goes on to describe his life again and gives three three very powerful pictures about what his life has been. You see, his life was full of meaning, and he quickly looks back at his life to describe it in three pictures. And I'm asking you, do any of these pictures describe you, my friend? Describe you? You see, (laughs) Paul is telling us that these things do not apply and should not apply to him only. I've seen this written on graves. I've read it in books. I've preached it in sermons. But this is somebody's testimony. He says, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race and I have kept the faith. What is he saying here? For the sake of time, he paints three pictures here. The picture of a soldier, of an athlete, and deadly, that of a steward or a manager. Let's take the first one, a soldier. Paul says, I have fought a good fight like a soldier. You see, Christ called him to be in his army and he continued to be in his army. He separated himself from the world and was with Christ as a soldier of Christ. He suffered through threats, abuses, launched by his enemies. And he was there using his mind, his brain, his body, everything to fight. He was just doing what he needed to do for the gospel to go. He had done it. He had stuck to the mission of Christ. To the very end. They had persecuted him. One time he was dropped from a basket. They stoned him. They thought he had died. But he kept on and on and on. So for Paul. He could victoriously declare. I have fought a good fight. So when death has come. He was being released. From his service as a soldier. For the king of kings. And be released to go home, to live in peace, and to stay with his Lord forever. And stop receiving the harassment that this world will give him as a soldier. Are you a soldier of Christ? Are you enduring for him? Can you give that testimony? I fought the good fight. Or do you see what you are going through now as a fight? That I'm enduring the good fight. Or if you are flagging in zeal, say, Lord, give me the grace. Lord, give me the energy. Let me press on. Let me fight it. The waters are about to overcome me. But, Lord, I'm there with you. The pain is terrible. The temptations are real. But, Lord, let me stay on. Let me fight. Let me fight. So that they come in ways that you cannot expect. Because sometimes it comes as a battle of the mind. Look at what it says in Ephesians 6:12. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. They come, they come, but as a soldier, will you fight? Then Paul, secondly, compares himself to an athlete. This is the way he lived in this present world. So he had run the race and finished the course. Like an athlete, he finished the course. It means he was disciplined. He controlled his body. Like an athlete who was enrolled to play for his nation or running in the, uh, for the Olympics. They are diets they have to do, they are training, they have to go through everything they have to go to to be in a certain shape. If you're in a boxer, you have to be in a certain weight. Go through all of this thing. Deny yourself the pleasures of this, of this world. He said, Look. I controlled my appetite. I ate and drank what I did so that my body and mind would be focused. So I focused on the race of life. I ran it. I did not run the risk of being dis- distracted. And even if things tried to distract me, all I did was let me finish well, let me finish well so that I will not be disqualified. Because there are some who cheat in marathon races. They come towards the end and they think, oh, I've run the race. Friend, he said, I ran like a disciplined athlete. And God himself can testify that I ran. Oh, my dear friend, are we running a race that will finish and finish well? I hope you are. Are you encouraging somebody to run that race? Is somebody encouraging you to run that race? I know sometimes it's a lonely race. I know sometimes it's a difficult race. I know sometimes the trials of this world are so, so, so strong. They are just about to give up because of your singleness, because of the way people are laughing at you, because of the pervasive cheating that is going on in your school. People are cheating. They are lying. Because almost everybody seems to be compromising. Because you don't have the goods of the world, so you don't seem to be respected. And you are about to give up. But Paul said, don't give up. Be disciplined. Your Lord God is faithful. The Lord God is faithful. He is faithful. And you see it through. Yes. In Galatians 5, 7, says, Yes. Ye did run well. Who did hinder you? Who rendered you so that you did not obey the truth? Paul said, I press on towards the mark for the price of the high calling of God in Christ my Savior. Philippians 3.14 So as an athlete, he ran according to the rules of the game and he trained for it so that he himself would not be cast away. But the third one, so I kept the faith like a good steward, a good caretaker, a good estate manager. You see, this world we live in belongs to God. And you and I, are only managers and caretakers. There are some people who are good caretakers. You give them something to take care of, they will take care of it well and improve it. And you'll be amazed when you see what you've given them, what they've done with it. But there are some others who are careless. Paul said, I've managed faithfully what the Lord has given to me. You see, I've not denied my Lord. I've taken care of everything. Think for a moment the sufferings he went through. Then I kept faith with God. I kept my time. I gave it to God. My money I gave to him. My talent I gave to him. And everything I did it to the glory of God. In 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 10, we read, As every man has received a gift, even so, minister the same to one another, as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. So, God has given each and every one of us a gift, a spiritual gift. Peter is telling you, if God has given you this gift, use it in ways that God will say, yes, you use that gift as a good steward. Are you using your gift? Are you using your talent? Are you being faithful? Is your money yours? Or you give it to God for His work? God has blessed you, so you can be a blessing to yourself, to provide your needs, but also to promote the work of God, to help others, the poor, the needy, the orphans. Are you doing that? Paul said, I'm faithful. I've been a steward. And there were times Paul denied himself because he wanted the gospel to go. Friends, think about it. Are you being a good steward? Ask God, am I being a good steward? When you're asking to be rich, Lord bless me, let me have money, let me have resources. What is it for? There are some who have grown so rich in this world that they can't even sleep because they are afraid of what others will come and do with their riches. But the Bible clearly tells us as stewards, we are to be found faithful. You see, they don't lay out for yourself treasures on earth only where thieves and robbers will come and steal, but lay out for yourself precious in heaven. But last thing that Paul says here, say I'm waiting for my reward. Second Timothy chapter 4, verse 8. A very powerful verse. Henceforth, say from now on, this laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day. And not only to me, but also to all who have loved his appearing. Hallelujah. Paul is describing an unbelievable reward? The crown of righteousness. Just imagine it. There's a crown of righteousness, a crown that a person can receive, a crown that will make him completely acceptable to God. None of us can be acceptable to God on our merit. Why? Because God is perfect, and only the perfect can come to Him. So what is the crown of righteousness? Who gives it? The crown of righteousness has been given to us because, Paul said, because I'm a soldier of Christ and I've fought the warfare and I've won, so it will be given to me. I'm an athlete for Christ. I've fought and I've won and I know I'll get a cross and I'll get a crown. I am a steward, a manager, and I've done the best to my ability. Think about it. Paul will be given the crown of righteousness. That makes a person perfect before god why because he has been a steward of god the crown of righteousness will be given by the lord himself the righteous judge the uncorruptible judge the one who cannot be bribed by anybody he is the one who will give him the reward he's the perfect judge the only judge who knows the truth about all men and women And Paul is convinced in his spirit that he's been the best he can be for God. Because when he sinned, he confessed. When he's been a rascal persecuting the church, he talked about it over and over and over again. And when even his energy was fading, he still continued to serve God. When he was even weak, he would say, when I'm weak, then I'm strong. Because his strength is available to me when I'm weak. What a man the crown of righteousness. Look, my listening friend, this is where you and I must aim at that glorious call. Live in such a way that nobody should threaten you and cause you to be afraid that you will die. Because look at what Paul says, and he said it to Timothy for you and I to also hear it and to govern our life that we should live courageously in this world, witnessing, praying, fasting, giving, doing and throwing the things of God. See, the the crown of righteousness will be given to all who love and look for the Lord's appearing. This is incredible. Who loves the Lord's appearing? That's every person who loves the Lord himself, who is living this world, who is committed to live like a soldier of Christ, who is on mission. If that is what you want to be, receive power to live for Christ and be on mission for him. Anybody who is willing to be an athlete for Christ and be disciplined and ask God for grace to be a winning athlete, he said, the righteous judge will give you also the crown of righteousness. Anyone who is willing to be a steward, a good manager for Christ, he said, look, I tell you, that reward will be there for you also. Anybody. So, the lesson is plain. You can determine your crown. You can determine can look forward to your victory, the day of rejoicing, the merits that you receive because of the way you live. And Let me just say, join me as we pray The Lord, as I go through this life, as it is getting difficult, and as we are looking forward to your coming, help me, oh Lord, like Paul, to say I've fought a good fight. Lord, I've kept the faith. Henceforth, Lord, this laid out for me, a crown of righteousness. Lord, I want that crown. But help me to be a faithful soldier. Lord, help me to be a faithful athlete. Lord, help me to be a good steward. Lord, help me. You are willing to help me. And I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Lord, I'm yours. Fill me with your spirit. Help me to live for you. Give me people who accompany me along this journey but help me also to encourage others so that together we can win. This is our story. This is my prayer. Lord, I commit it to your hands and I dedicate myself to fulfilling this by your grace. Jesus, your name I pray with Thanksgiving. Amen.
0: You just heard the radio broadcast from Calvary Baptist Church, headed by Reverend Dr. Fred Dagby. We trust you've been blessed. Do join us. On Sunny FM every Saturday from 8 to 8.30 p.m. for an awesome time in the Word of God. Locators right opposite the Mr. Big's Restaurant in Adabraka near the Kwame Nkrumah Interchange. As well, we're in Shiashi across the motorway from the Accra Mall. In were we're near the Cares Valley Event Center at the Goyal Filling Station. Our Amasamai campus is on the Danbridge Montessori School premises near the Amasamine Government Hospital. Again, we're in Bortiano, opposite the Bortiano Polyclinic. Otherwise, follow us on Facebook at Calvary Baptist Church GH and on YouTube at Calvary Baptist Church TV or email us via Ghana at yahoo.com. You can also call us on 24 or 302 or reach us on WhatsApp number 0200-181680. God bless you.